Welcome to NPI Tech Guys, your go-to radio show for cutting-edge managed IT services. Are you tired of unresponsive slow service from your current IT provider? Discover a world where network security, data protection, and expert support come together seamlessly. Stay tuned to learn how to transform your IT experience and never worry about downtime again. Call us at 866-986-NEWS. And let's make IT great together. Happy to have you along, my fellow tech enthusiasts. My name is Sam Bushman, and I've got Jay Harrison with me. Welcome, sir. Hello, Sam. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. This is uh, a technology show where we keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. And the good news is we have always fascinating topics relating to tech. Some of them become very technical to help you with security. Others are a lot of fun. This one is both. When is tech scary? When is it fun? When is it a security concern? When is it just a concern in general? How can we use it to our benefit? How do we make sure tech serves us, not owns us? Those are some of the questions today as we talk about AI, ladies and gentlemen, artificial intelligence. And over the last decades, it's been thrown out more and more and more and more. But it came to life relatively recently for most Americans. Chat GPT hit the world by storm, it amassed 100 million monthly active users in just two months into its, quote, launch, making it the fastest growing consumer application in history. Now, that's something, Jay. It is. It's a testament to just how phenomenal and uh, earth-changing and, and a paradigm shift that this application is. Um, people at first kind of didn't believe it, and then when they saw it and they tried it, they couldn't believe it at all. I mean, they were still in shock of what it can do, and yeah, it's not perfect. I mean, it, there's plenty of flaws, and it's not like the end-all to everything. <clears throat> it's not sentient, but it is very impressive, and it can do a lot of things and help a lot of people, and it's, I'm, I'm impressed with it. I've always been. I think that it's um, – I didn't even get on the van. So this came out in November of 2022. I probably saw it maybe in January or February was the first time I played with it. Um, that was a couple of months ago now, and it's just been – I use it almost every day now, believe it or not. The interesting thing about this is the main version that rolled out then that everybody tested was version what? That was version 3.5 or 3, and then I 3. think 5. roughly yeah. shortly thereafter it became 3.5. That's the average one that the – People can use for free when it's up, if it's available, everything else. If you pay for the service, though, you can use their version ChatGPT4. And they're quite different in their responses, and we've actually tested the two and their responses, which we'll get into in a minute. Uh, we played with them. They're very interesting. Um, right when this first came out, though, some organizations uh, have had uh, the chatbots go crazy and spew all kinds of offensive and problematic material. We won't get into that except to say these bots are far from perfect. Uh, we will say this. Um, you know what? You got to be careful when you use the term artificial intelligence. I don't believe it's really intelligence at all uh, in, in the term of it can't come up with anything outside of itself. In other words, it's got a data set that it refers to, and it doesn't have the ability to create anything outside of its framework of data support. Yes, it can use the data it's got at its fingertips very creatively, 
more so creatively in many ways than humans. We'll get into that too coming up. But it's the kind of thing where it can't know or can't deal with things outside of its own sphere. Well, uh, so what do they say? They stopped it at 2021 or something and anything forward from that is not included? That's right, in the trained data set that it used. But I think artificial intelligence is a good term for it. I think it's kind of been overused and people aren't thinking it right, but it is. It's artificial intelligence. It's, it seems like intelligent, but it's not. It's really artificial. Um, what people think when they hear artificial intelligence now, what they expect, I think, is sentient intelligence, SI, and it's not. It's AI, and, and I think it's the term is still appropriate for what it was intended. Now, I get your point. I just want to make it very clear. If people think that it can think for itself like a human can, it cannot. Let's be very clear. That's why it's artificial. Agreed. And that's kind of the point I want to make, and many people don't realize that. And if they realize that, then they're getting your point, and I agree with you completely, Jay. I want to make this uh, other uh, assessment to understand. It's very good at certain things, and it's horrible at other things, which we'll get into in just a minute. But look, chat GPT is just kind of the king of the crop that most people have tested, know about, play with. Google's Bard is also in the mix. Um, they got Microsoft's what's called Copilot, which is a companion now to Microsoft 365, where it'll help you with things artificially intelligently. Bing is another search engine that has it. Google's Bard has it. Um, one is to just give you a prompt and then let you type into it and get stuff back. The other is to add this technology into tools uh, that can help you. And all of the above are being done right now. That's important to understand. You may be using AI without even knowing it is the point, Jay. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I think some things are riding off of this, like you don't even know. For example, Bing, if, Bing likes to tout, oh, we have AI too. They're just using an API of ChatGPT, literally under the hood. Um, so not everyone. Now, BART is completely independent. I've used it. I've compared it with ChatGPT. It's not as good. It's a little more fledgling still, too. But it's just not as robust. It doesn't as understand as well. And it's well, you're right. In fact, some Google executives just came out and said, um, we don't have any secret sauce because <laughs> they know they're behind. <laughs> well, Google was supposed to have this thing two years ago, Lambda, where people were quitting yeah. at Google saying, oh, the AI is sentient and we're scared of it. And Google has the stuff under wraps and they just haven't released it yet. I thought Google would be the first one to the out the door with something like this. Not not the open AI guys. Well, and what's fascinating about it to me is we need to understand there's also a version of OpenAI. That's Remember the word open here for a second. Right. You can literally go online and get your own locked down database, if you will, of data that it can draw from. You can download you know, source code and details and build your own version of this thing and train it in the way that you think best. You can do That's that true. for less than a couple of hundred bucks right now, right? Yeah, I think, it's like, I think the cost analysis I saw was about 600 bucks. Uh, you could set up your own AI and train it however you want on whatever data you want. Now, that training is what's interesting to me because now we're talking about artificial intelligence with my training versus your training versus somebody else's training. That training is um, most of the issue at this point, right? Yeah, it is. And it's interesting that uh, the training that they do is just on the data. There's not a lot of... Um, you know, you, you think of like uh, Isomoff's Three Laws of Robotics and things. You can't necessarily tell one of these systems that. You can't tell it this is good, this is bad. You can just tell it how you like its output. Like that was thumbs up or thumbs down. And they don't really know. I mean, it's like it's looking, it's like looking at a brain. These neurons are virtual neurons, which are just values, floating point values of data. Um, they can't really like give it rules hard and fast like people think they can. Um they just have to train it and kind of steer it in one direction or the other. There is a lot of secret sauce in it. 
And when you say that you can't give it hard, fast rules, the point is there's no blacklists and whitelists. And that's why they're having kind of trouble. When does it do what? When does it say what? When does it put things together that are right versus wrong? And it doesn't know those things. Now, will it get smarter and more trainable over time? Think of it a little bit as a speech dictation application. You know what? It can listen to what you say. You can create rules that, that create common mistake uh, corrections and things like that, but you really can't solve it all the time. Whether it's speech or writing or anything else you're translating, it can do its very best guess, but it gets it wrong. It gets it right a lot, but it, the context is the question of when do you put this part out? When do you not? And the main way they've been able to guide this thing or steer it, as you wisely point out, is they've been able to say, don't think you can do too much because what happens is when it thinks it can do too much, it just starts to spew uh, data out at a rapid rate, but the data becomes less and less sensical the further it goes to a great degree. Yeah, and don't so the, put it the past job it. is to rein it in. Don't put it past it to just make up stuff. I, I saw a, right. uh, a thing on sixty Minutes where they had uh, had it write some paper, and all five of the sources that it cited didn't even exist. Like they weren't; it was totally made up. So <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. Well, because its desire is to just go on and on and on and on and on, ramble at the mouth, so to speak. Uh, that's its desire by nature. Otherwise, it will stop too early all the time. So how do you have it give you enough but not too much? And we asked it an interesting question. We said, hey, can you take a Power Basic program and can you convert it to, and we gave it several other modern languages. And it came back and said, hey, I can't really convert the program for you, but I can give you some examples of um, the old language and the new language so you kind of can compare and I can give you some guidelines so that you can translate it yourself Okay, well, that's an example of it being trained not just to go out into the ether Exactly That's an example of it being trained to say hold on There's limits to how knowledgeable you are even if you have the data that might seem like it supports that knowledge We know as humans it really doesn't right. Yeah, and it shows one of the interesting things about it and one of the ways that it applies is if I'm a programmer What's interesting is this isn't going to write my program for me. Not yet. I mean, maybe one day it will, but right now. And if it's really short, simple, single-item tasks that you're trying to get done, it probably can write it for you. But if it's a, a complex program, say a, a radio automation system or something, it's not going to be able to do that, not at all. But what it will do and what it can do is you can talk to it and ask it certain questions about certain functions or certain modules or certain routines and how do I make this do this? And you can literally have a conversation, so to speak, with it and – it will help you along. It's like it's like having a textbook that can talk back to you and that you can ask questions to. Uh, you might have the entire entire work on uh, Java, you know, the uh, definitive, exhaustive, every example in there the book. But it, you can't consume this multi-volume thing. But if you can just ask it the pertinent questions that you have of it, and how do I get this done? And it can show you and give you an example. Um, it can really jumpstart your programming. Think about a dictionary, a thesaurus. A um, oh, what do they call those um, encyclopedias? Right. Think about that all rolled into one at your fingertips to answer any question that you have. That's the truth. Now think of saying that you know what I want to lift society's intelligence in general. You know what Google did that with their um, search engine big time. Certainly, I can go to yeah. Google search and I can gain knowledge on something. Anybody can be an expert if they're quick enough uh, to type in the question and interpret the answer in a meaningful way. Well, this takes that to the next level is what it does. Okay. So think about if I'm trying to get to the top of the roof and I need to boost up and someone cups their hands and I put my foot in that and I, then they shove me up there. 
That's what this can do. It can't solve things for you completely, and it can't do everything for you. But what it can do is it can give you an incredible head start, an incredible boost. And it's very good at certain things. One of the things it's very good at doing is writing text because it can grab that text from all kinds of places. And then it can put it together for the most part, most of the time, in a very reasonable way. So I'll give you a quick example. I wanted to write a document for a business that related to a leadership position. And I gave it some guidelines. I said, hey, I want it. I want to write something about this leadership position. Here's the kind of components that it needs to have. And here's what it, and it wrote me a great four or five paragraph starting point. Now I had to take that and, and rewrite some of it. And I had to add then my intelligence around it, but it gave me this incredible head start. And that's where we're finding this chat GPT to be the most useful. If you want to, um, if you got a photo for Facebook and you want to post something, you know, what do you say in that post? How do you market it or promote it or what? How do you? And it's very good at giving you that quick start on topics because it's relevant information, it's detailed, and it can concatenate data together in a meaningful way incredibly fast. When you watch these chat bots write, and it's incredible, Jay. It is. And when you need something like that, say a marketing thing or you want to post about Memorial Day or whatever, um, it has literally read more posts than you ever have in your entire lifetime or ever will. And so it can just generate something based on those hundreds of thousands of uh, identical posts and not identical to each other, but identical to what you're looking for and then come up, generate uh, from that pre-trained trained data something unique to, to what your position is and what you're looking for with just a little bit of input. And that's the remarkable part of it. That's That helps me a lot, I know, because in, those are some of the things I find challenging is writing that kind of marketing drivel if you will but just nicety kind of things and uh it's really interesting it can really do well now you talked about that uh, the headline you opened this with 100 million active users in just two months currently <clears throat> as of this is may of 2023 1.16 billion users they crossed the billion mark in march of 2023 and they have over a billion active users all the time now it's just phenomenal in other words, one-eighth of the world. Exactly. And you think about that, and that is tremendous because a lot of people aren't on there, but they have other people using it for them, too. What I mean by that is take a company, and you got a you know 300-employee company. 15 people are in the marketing department. 10 of them are in the lawyer section. And you know you got 40 or 50 people that have access to this, but they represent that whole group, too. So you got a billion people representing, you know, I don't know what percent of the world, but half the world being represented by this. This is going to change society, ladies and gentlemen, for good and for bad. Let's be clear. Technology is not good or bad. It'll change it for good and for bad, depending on whose hands this technology is in. Um, you know, the, the maker of the TV, the, the, the guy that created television, you know, he eventually regretted creating television. He's just like, man, I hope people would use this as an incredible educational tool. And now it's being used for just people sitting around the TV, just getting dumbed down and and, uh, you know, bad things like pornography or, 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 you know, hate-filled violent shows. And, man, I'm disappointed. Understand that chat GPT is neither good or bad or any of these AI tools. Just they technology. can be used for good or for bad. They will lift the knowledge of the world, though, in a worldly way, meaning a, a, whatever. Because, remember, it only has what data set it's given. So it's only got worldly data to rely on. So in a worldly way, it'll lift the intelligence of the world quite a bit. And when you see, you know, text that's well written it's going to become better and better and better written because these bots not only know the sources they have 
but they also have all the rules of grammar at their disposal. They have all the rules of putting Grammarly in, everything else. I mean, eventually you start to see AI intelligence not only implement the data set that it's got, but start to implement all these other applications on the fly that we have and use. Text to voice, voice to text, video to translated to captions or to a complete transcript, and all these other tools will come to bear, Jay, and this will just lift the knowledge of the world like you wouldn't believe. The question left is what are we going to do with it? How do we make sure it doesn't get too dangerous or too controlling? How do we, you know what? They'll need to create laws and guidelines and do's and don'ts, so to speak, about this. If you but can. no doubt it will yeah. lift the intelligence of the world. If you can, you're right. And they'll, they'll be successful partially and not successful partially, guaranteed. And that's what people are worried about as far as sentient intelligence. If something ever comes out and breaks loose and, um, you know, it could, it could work around you faster than you could ever anticipate its next move. And that's the scary part of some of this is that it, will something like that develop? Maybe it will never develop. Maybe, the, you know, that spark comes from somewhere else. But um, it'll be interesting to see. But let's be clear. Congress is concerned about this, looking at this. Big business is concerned and looking at this. Meanwhile, the technology marches on, though. They went from, what, 3.5 to 4.0 pretty quick. They kind of had both those geared up. Oh, but and the they already have the AI, next one out. They already have the next right. one in they're just not ready to release it to the public because that's right. They've got issues. My point is the circle's going to go faster and faster with this stuff too, because as it gets smarter, it makes it the ability to use it more smartly or whatever right. word you want to use to where there's a cycle. It reminds me of the processor battles back in the day, how fast can computers get and what's that Murphy's law or whatever Moore's law. it's called. Moore's law about Moore's transistors law. doubling okay. every 18 months. And what about Moore's law when it comes to AI or, or that kind of intelligence? That may be a I don't know what term curve. they're going to use for that, but it'll be, Faster and faster and faster. Uh, there's a lot we don't know, ladies and gentlemen. We want to tell you what we do know. It's a very cool tool, very useful in many, many, many ways. Don't be afraid of it. Embrace it. But let's all play a role in making sure it's used for good, not evil. Let's all play a role in making sure that, you know what? Tech serves us, doesn't own us. This is Tech Watch Radio. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to.